bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchise industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats podcast. I'm Angela Cote, your host of the Franchise Canada Chats podcast, where we take you into the world of franchising. Our interviews are with franchisees, franchisors, and industry leaders who give on the pulse expert advice and share their franchising insights and experiences. Hello, Angela Cote here, and I am so excited to bring you two rockstar females in franchising from a very successful and innovative brand, LiveWell. We have with us today Sarah Hodson, and she is the founder and CEO, and we have Michelle Dunbar, who is the franchisee in Bowmanville. She opened her franchise in July of 2020. So that'll be an interesting uh, conversation where we talk a little bit about what that was like um, and we will we'll get rolling. But I have to tell you something kind of funny. I've actually been to Bowmanville and I have been dog sledding in Bowmanville or in, the, in that area. Michelle, is that unusual? Uh, yeah, we don't get a lot of snow anymore in Bowmanville. So I'm curious where you where you went dog sledding. That would be cool. It was back in the late 90s, so I can't remember exactly, but it was in that general area. So um, when I heard that you're from Bowmanville, I flashed back to my dog sledding days. But, <laughs> but today, today we're going to talk about uh, franchising and we're going to talk about purpose-driven franchising. I'm, I'm so excited to have you guys here because I know that you've got such a great story. Um, I'll give a little bit of my background really quick. Um, I grew up with the brand m and Meat Shops. My dad is the founder and we grew to almost 500 locations over the years. And I have to say when I first started in my business now advising franchisors, one of the first things I did was join the CFA as my dad had always been uh, involved and really raved about the educational opportunities, the connections and the support that we got over the years from the CFA. So I'm really excited to have this opportunity to be the guest host and hear your stories. So is everybody ready to get rolling? Yes, we are. Awesome. All right, Sarah, let's start with you as the CEO and founder. I'd love to hear a little bit about what is LiveWell and what sets you apart from other seemingly similar opportunities, because on the surface, people might think that there's other opportunities similar. Pretty sure that there's not. (laughs) Um, So LiveWell Exercise Clinic um, is actually in the space called medical fitness. And, And this is a bit of a gap that spans between healthcare and maybe typical or mainstream fitness. Uh, My background before LiveWell was I was actually the coordinator of cardiac rehab. And so in working in a clinical setting, hospital-based, exercising people after heart attacks, um, a decade into that work, I really came to kind of a fork in the road. And that was, was I still passionate about the work that I was doing? Or was I maybe working in a system that wasn't able to provide the service to the people who I believe needed it? And I came to the decision that I really, really loved and was committed to the work, um, but it needed to be provided in a new, innovative way to a whole group of people so that all Canadians had access. And really, that is the concept that, you know, exercise is health based and the majority of Canadians actually move their bodies for health benefit. Sometimes we don't even know that that's what it is. I was speaking with a lady this morning who said, yeah, and it's amazing because ever since I started here, I just sleep so much better. And I said, well, did you know that one of the things that we get from exercise in the first 30 days is improved quality of sleep? And she said, 
I had no idea. I just thought, wow, I'm sleeping better at age 72. She's like, but it's because I'm exercising. And so there's all these benefits from exercise, but as society, we've really tried to put exercise in the box of performance and physique. You know, how fast can I run the marathon? How many push-ups can I do? And so we're a brand that is very much in the fitness space recurring membership model and so forth, boutique fitness, small footprint, serving a clientele that is not being served prior to Live Well, which was founded in 2011. So we're 10 years into our brand now. We've helped thousands of Canadians to build healthy habits, one habit at a time, and to empower them through our exercise clinics, which have a really positive, joyful culture. They're very community-based and our program helps them improve their physical, their mental, and their social health. And so it really is an opportunity in fitness and in healthcare. A merging of those allows you to have that recurring revenue model of, of membership. So um, it, it's, it's a really exciting space to be part of. Oh man, I'm just so excited. This is awesome. I just love, I've heard this before, but I, I don't know if I've been able to hear it all like just in one like that. And um, can you give... Just, just to clarify, and maybe you said it, and that was just a lot of awesome information. Is it? What are some examples of the types of people that come to live well? Because I'm guessing it's, I'm guessing it's people that are maybe insecure or, or they actually, so they have a medical condition, like after a heart attack. Can you give a little bit more examples of that? Yeah. You know, I think that it's broader than we think, um, you know, only 20% of Canadians are active and 80% of Canadians are inactive or sedentary, inactive being achieving less than 150 minutes of activity a week. And our clinics really help to champion those people who are sedentary or inactive to build up their activity. Um, and so we typically see people who are, you know, 55 plus, but our members are anywhere from 18 to 98 years old. And the common thread is they're here to improve their health. So 50% of our members come to us for prevention, meaning that they are sedentary, inactive, maybe they're carrying some excess weight, Maybe they've been dealing with, you know, uh, mild stress, anxiety, you know, feeling a little bit depressed as all of us have been coping with over this pandemic. Maybe there's somebody who went to their doctor and their doctor said, your blood pressure is kind of starting to creep up there. Uh, might want to start to do something about that. Now is your chance. Um, and, and it's also maybe the person who goes, hey, you know, there's this family history, you know, maybe my mom had diabetes, my dad had heart disease, there's a history of cancer, you name it. I don't want to have to go through what my parents have gone through. And I'm going to take control now um, and, and start exercising and see the benefit of that at an early stage. So it really is healthcare through exercise. So again, 50% of our members come to us for prevention. And the other 50% of our members come to us with a, a known health concern, it might be high blood pressure, it might be someone after cancer treatment, it might be somebody who, you know, um, is living with obesity, carrying extra weight, arthritis, again, mental health, um, all of these areas of our health that we also treat with medication have a very, very powerful treatment through exercise. 
That's amazing. Yeah. So it, it's, it just, it's so inclusive. And mm-hmm. I feel like for anybody, like for most people, just stepping foot into some kind of an exercise facility of whatever sort is very intimidating. And you're just taking all of that away. And I know I've seen your branding, your website, it, it feels so empowering and so encouraging. I, I think it'd be, it just, yeah, it's amazing. So very awesome. All right, Michelle. So I'm curious, what is your story? What did, what drew you to the opportunity to become a live well franchisee and, and like, how did that all start? Uh, well, it's kind of a, a little bit of a long story. That's um, okay. We're here. We're here to listen. Okay. <laughs> I, um, I did 15 years of corporate work. I traveled all over Ontario and I had a young daughter and I was not home a lot. So I really decided that I'm, you know, I enjoy working, but I wanted to be wanted it to be impactful. I really wanted to give back to my community and I, I really wanted to make a difference in people's lives. So I made the decision to leave corporate and I decided um, to, to really investigate where I was going to go and, and what I was going to do. And I spent some time working with a business coach and consultant uh, with, with Brandon. And what they did was they spent a lot of time with me and guided me through a process that really dug deep into who I was, like my, my, my personal goals, my financial goals, and, and they aligned me with live well. Okay. So yeah. And I'm going to ask you a little bit more on that, but um, yeah. so you knew this is, this is co- what I love about franchising, right? That it's it, people realize they want to get into something that they can, they can tap into their purpose. And that's what this podcast episode is all about. So, so you had this feeling that you wanted to do something. Did you explore other franchise opportunities as well? And, and then if yes, how did you land on live well? So I did, there was one that I was also interested in, but for me, once I, um, once I got to really see, like I spent four months, like looking at financials, talking to franchise partners, making calls. I probably talked to Sarah four or five times. Like I met her in person at Yorkdale one day and had a coffee. Like it was very, we, we connected and like just her passion and her, like enthusiasm and just her story, like it, it got me. Like I, I, she was just, I knew that she really cared about the business and about the model and about the concept. I chose live well because it was new, but they had a lot of proven systems. And so there was an opportunity for me to get in while there was still lots of time to grow. Cause I'd like to eventually have more units and they had this powerful leadership team and their president and CEO was just somebody who was, you know, the first time I met Sarah, she gave me a hug. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it, but like, that's, that's how it, how it is. Sarah, you, that makes me happy, doesn't it? I, for anybody that's listening on, on podcasting, can't see the video, which is probably a lot of people. It can, I can just see the smile on Sarah's face. Yeah, totally. I probably hugged you, Angela, the first time I met you too. <laughs> probably, yeah. And then every yeah. time after, right? I think we, <laughs> definitely yeah, every yeah, time we after. Sang, we sing um, oh, oh Canada together at the oh, uh, yes. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the franchise events. But um, yeah. that's awesome, Michelle. Um, I, the, there's a few takeaways here for anybody that's listening that's thinking of becoming a franchisee on because we, we hear this all the time when franchise prospects, people that are becoming or thinking of becoming a franchisee, they ask how do I know, you know, how can I know what franchise to invest in? And 
the obvious things they're going to look at are the financials, uh, maybe the brand and, and, you know, some of those more surface things. But what I'm hearing is for you, Michelle, it was definitely a connection to Sarah and belief in this, in the leadership team was a big piece of it for you. Absolutely. And the, the other thing is something that I could be proud of. Like, even if, even, you know, during the beginning when it, when it's tough and the, the financial times are maybe not as prosperous as you'd like, it's still like the joy and benefit of the product that we're delivering. Like even on a bad day coming here makes it all worthwhile. And so like that part of it for me is really important. That's so awesome. It's so, it's so um, amazing when you find something that it sounds like what you're saying almost is it doesn't feel like work. Like it's what you, it's you're, you're living out your purpose. Yeah, exactly. When I went and flew out to, to British Columbia to meet Sarah and to look at LiveWell Clinics in, in British Columbia, we had an opportunity to, to actually meet the members that, that are, were in one of the clinics in BC. And that was actually what sold me, listening to them talk about their improved confidence and, and how their life has changed and, and just their personal growth. I definitely wanted to capture that and to be part of that with other people. That's amazing. Um, just for context, how many franchise units, and maybe this is for Sarah, I guess, how many franchise units were there when Michelle became a franchisee? Um, so um, Michelle opened up our 15th location. Yeah. Okay. In, in Canada here. And how many approximately do you have now? Are there a few more now? Yeah. So we just opened another one in Calgary and then we have five under construction right now. Okay. I just wanted yeah. to ask that for context, because another question that we often hear from people exploring becoming franchi a franchisee is that they, if it's a newer brand, there's, there's, there's a lot of like, there's pros and cons, right? Like you're, you're, even though you have a lot of systems in place at 15 units, when you're at 300 units, you really have systems in place. But the downside is you don't have that ability to help sort of shape the brand a little bit. Like you have more input, your input, you can be more heard and you get, you know, you get to really, well, get good territories. Like there's a lot of upside to it and being as connected as you are to Sarah, not to say that at 300 units, you can't be as, con or you can't be connected, but it just gets a little tougher. So Michelle, is there anything within that that you want to speak to about the, the benefits of getting into a brand early? Um, well, that was a big thing for, for me was I wanted to be part of an emerging brand because growth is, is important to me. But I mean, healthcare and fitness combined together is something that, you know, I know where I live in Ontario, it is needed. And I wanted to be able to spend time with Sarah and, and Tasha be, be, because they were so, this was their idea from the grassroots. So they had so much to share. And one of the best things was my franchise training. I got to spend a week with Sarah and Tasha and, and like I got to ask them questions that probably, you know, a lot of people don't get to ask of their CEO and president. And so, you know, I talked to Sarah about how she started and some of the grassroots uh, kind of local marketing and just some of the struggles she had. So I found that it was easy for me to to see how she grew, not easy to see, but I could definitely understand how she grew the business and, and how challenging it was to start something from the ground up. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Did you know that Franchise Canada has a newsletter sent twice a month that's packed full of fresh franchise opportunities? 
With Franchise Canada e-news, you get new content from Franchise Canada magazine, franchisee success stories, industry news about CFA members, educational videos all about franchising, and you can keep up to date on the newest episodes of the Franchise Canada Chats podcast that you're listening to right now. Plus, by subscribing to Franchise Canada e-news, you get a free subscription to Franchise Canada magazine. Subscribe now at FranchiseCanada.online. Now, back to the podcast episode you are enjoying. Awesome. That's, that's what I imagined you saying. And I, I think that there's, you know, there's people out there that are looking for a lot more structure and, and proven concept. And then there's people that are a little bit more of a risk taker where they're willing to get in early. And I think that's, that's always an important thing to assess when you're thinking of becoming a franchisee. And, you know, I definitely think there's a lot of upside to getting in early, as long as you've got a founder that you believe in and a strong leadership team. And it, you know, this, there's some systems in place. So that's awesome. And, and just for a quick, uh, quick things, Michelle, did you ever consider starting a business from scratch or did you know you wanted to get into a franchise company? No. Um, so like I have a, a notebook full of ideas and concepts and, and like creative ideas, you know, leaving the corporate world and, and that salary behind it, like that, I just felt that it was too much of a risk. And, and to be honest, like I'm, I'm married. So it was also a comfort piece for my husband um, from from his risk level of buy, getting into something that I wasn't creating solely on my own. So by purchasing, you know, the franchise, it allowed me to have like this team around me. I wasn't lonely. I had peers that I could talk to. I had a head office that's, you know, innovative and, and creative and, and helping me, you know, I'm not doing everything alone. And then with the business, you know, models and concepts that I could utilize, but I still had the free reign to, to run my business and be a part of it every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes so much sense. And I, I like that you pointed out your husband, like if in a, in a partnership, in a, in a marriage or partnership, you have to both be okay with taking risk and starting a business is a big risk. So I love that you found this hybrid approach. And, and the biggest piece to, to that, you know, when you went in my, my marriage, my, my husband is very anti risk adverse, we'll say, but the, the, the time that we spent with FranNet through that consulting piece, we had a meeting together as a couple that was four hours long. And, and basically the business coach and consultant said, like, you need to be to, to my husband. He said, you need to be honest. Um, if Michelle's not being truthful about her skills or her weaknesses, or, you know, if there are concepts that you don't want to support as her husband, you need to be honest today because this could impact your life. And when my husband left that meeting, he gave me a hug and he said, whatever you pick, I'm fine with this is the right decision. So that for us was, was life changing for, for, from his support perspective. That's amazing. And I think, I think it's a really great point though, again, for people thinking of becoming a franchisee of any brand that, you know, that actually, and when I, when I've done some, some studying and research, I would say it's in the top 10 most important things to assess is whether your family members are going to support you. Cause if they aren't, when the times get tough, cause it, it isn't always easy. It, it's great that you have the support from a franchisor, but it is hard work and you need to know that you've got people supporting you. So that's, that's a really cool story. I love that your husband being that supportive. So let's let's move in on to um, Sarah, just from your perspective, um, attracting people to partner with you as, as franchisees. Do you believe that it's it's easier because of the mission of Live Well? Um, and why? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I absolutely think so. I think that also our mission helps to attract the right people and detract the people who don't mesh with our, our brand and our core values um, because we are so purpose-driven. Um, it's clear from the get-go and people who just aren't in 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 the in the right um, business um, mindset for that, you know, will will quickly kind of not really engage with us. However, I think that we're in a day and an age where people are very much looking for purpose-led businesses. Um, and to me, when when I use that word business, I think that there's some get in the game default um, concepts that we can attach to the word, which means you know, proven systems, profitable, all of those words. But so yes, we have purpose and we have profit, but it is more important for us to deliver our purpose and our mission. And yes, we are a business, so we want to be profitable. And all of our franchisees are investing in each of their locations to be profitable, to bring a salary home to their families and for them to live well and have a great life, right? Um, and so it, it is that balance. But you know, especially the, the last kind of, you know, year and a half, probably a little bit longer now um, with the pandemic, you know, people's mindsets have really shifted and people, you know, where they thought they had really secure jobs and, and so forth found out they weren't so secure and things changed very, very quickly. Things changed overnight. And a lot more people are looking to take control of their own future in doing that don't want to just go back to kind of the same old nine to five, but really doing something that matters and that has a positive impact in our communities coming out of COVID. And that has some type of recovery for our economy, for our public health, for everything. Um, and so I think that that's where our brand is actually becoming more relevant, more meaningful, and even more purpose-driven now than it even was, believe it or not, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, right? Yeah, so it started out purpose-driven. It started out purpose-driven and then it's only only more now. And that's such a great yeah. point about what people are, the mindset that people are are realizing things. And I, I think it's just so awesome that it's, it really is, it's that hybrid of being, an, you're being an entrepreneur, you're not by yourself though, as long as you find a good franchise and, and assess, you know, the leadership team. Um, when you mentioned purpose, it's funny because I, I often think that, even a carpet cleaning, not to put down carpet cleaning businesses, because we do need those, um, a carpet cleaning or a window cleaning business. Um, even those, I believe there's purpose in becoming a franchisee and that you're providing job opportunities, right? Like you're, mm -hmm. you're providing opportunity for others in doing mm -hmm. that. So you start out with, I mean, even that alone, and then look at what you guys are doing that, you know, making so much impact. And I love like the innovation of the business. You know, there's a lot of franchises out there that they're really relying on, you know, kind of fancy branding that you guys are living and breathing your core values and, mm -hmm. and your purpose. And it's so apparent in, in the conversations we've had in this, during this podcast, and then your, your website and your social media, like you can just feel it. So um, mm -hmm. that is awesome. Another, um, another, one of the traits that I see of a successful or high performing franchisee is passion. And mm -hmm. it, it can be passion for the business itself, like the, what you're doing, like passion for people's health and mental health and, and physical health, but it can also just be passion for growing a business. 
Um, as long as there's some degree of passion, I feel like that fits in with the purpose. Sarah, on that note, what are some of the, the traits you've seen? I, I mentioned passion, but maybe you can agree with that or disagree, but also what other mm-hmm. traits are you looking for in an ideal franchise partner, knowing that having those traits will help them be successful in, in a high performer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, just as I kind of stated, um, you know, in the word business, I think there's some get in the game concepts that we can umbrella under that term. I think that, you know, in terms of, of a business and culture and, and core values, there's some get in the game terms that we just have to assume, or, you know, I would just say you simply shouldn't be in business if you don't have integrity, trust, compassion, right. those types of things. Um, and so uh, for, for, for us at LiveWell, our core values are we champion potential, we find the joy, and we're all in. And those core values really help us to identify the traits in our franchisees, our franchisees, you know, they really have to filter through those core values and align with us um, in order for them to be an ideal franchise candidate. Um, And so, yes, some of that is, you know, passion, somebody who really believes in the work that we're doing, somebody who really wants to make um, a difference, somebody who has um, a positivity, you know, somebody who can overcome obstacles and, and show that, you know, um, they have the resiliency to do so, um, to be adaptable, to bend and not break, right? And, you know, really the the ability to not only have compassion, but I think have the ability to have empathy. Um, because, you know, for us at LiveWell, our members, um, and, and I hear this often from, from people like, oh, well, you know, and if people don't want to exercise, it's probably because they're lazy or not motivated or this or that. And I would actually beg, you know, to differ on that um, in that here over this pandemic, um, our members at LiveWell have actually been some of the most committed members of fitness in the entire country. Our retention was very high in comparison to most other fitness companies. And why? Because our members fought really hard to get here and they're fighting really hard to stick with it. They're definitely not lazy. They needed a place where their champ- their potential could be championed. And so we are, you know, fiercely um, protective of our members, their hearts, their minds, their purpose, their determination. And ultimately, we want that to filter up to where a franchisee feels that same level of commitment. And as the franchisor, we are fiercely protective of our franchisees and their commitment to the business, right? So for us, it's really about, you know, what what are all of the ways that you champion potential, find joy, and that you're all in. And, and we can have kind of a process to um, evaluate if, if a franchise meet, franchisee kind of meets those core values. And if a franchisee doesn't meet one of them, it, it, is an, it is an all or nothing approach, right? It doesn't mean, oh, well, you don't champion people's potential, but you sure find joy and you're all in. That's not going to work for our brand. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I love that you're that, like, this is the thing is I think anybody that's looking at a franchise, if you, you know, you talk to the franchisor and they're comfortable at not admitting, but acknowledging that you might not be a fit and because you don't want to bring somebody in and they fail for their sake. Like, absolutely. It's, it's not just because you don't want failure on your record, but I'm sure that I can tell by your values, Sarah, you would not be able to sleep at night. If you knew that person wasn't going to be successful, if you knew it and still let them in because say Mm -hmm. they didn't have the one core value or something. So it sounds like you're really 
clear on that. It's you're in or you're out. Yeah. Awesome. And so Michelle, what I'm going to ask you a similar question, but from your, your franchise partner perspective, what do you think are, is one or two or however many of the traits that you possess that you want to speak to that you think are, are valuable to your ability to achieve your growth goals? I'm definitely, you know, still fiercely focused on my growth goals. I mean, it's been, this has been a really tough year to start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I think that, that I've been successful in is that I, I'm comfortable taking calculated risks and, and, you know, just, you know, deciding when, you know, to try something new. I'm always willing to put in the work. So there's been a lot of times, especially over the past year, where there, was a, there hasn't been the staff to, to do some of the things that we need. So, you know, I'm, I'm here doing, doing the work. And it, there's, I love it. And just being here to, to, to be able to, to be open. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we had was in Ontario um, during the lockdown, we, we were actually able to, to be open because we employ registered kinesiologists. But what that did is it, it basically kind of changed our, our offering. And so there was a lot of pressure put on me from a scheduling perspective, from a um, you know, communication perspective to the members and, and to, to offload, you know, all the, the cleaning and, and, and those sorts of things for, for my staff because we were so limited. And what it really taught me was like, it's it's worth it, right? All the hard work is, is totally worth it because we were the only outing that some of our members had, you know, some of the only conversations they had, we were the absolute joy that they were looking forward to during the pandemic and, and the lockdown period. And so I think that's what it, it was worth it though. It was hard work and there was some sacrifice. It was definitely worth it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're, I, I don't know if you know this, Michelle, but I actually was a franchisee myself of, of the family business, M M&M and M meat shops, um, three <laughs> units, um, over about 18 years. And just hearing you talk, I was just flashing back to times when the labor market was really tight and no one else is going to show up you know, when there's no, like you're the one. So, you know, I remember we had three stores and there were just two of us, my husband and I, and, you know, staffing was thin at one, at one point, just again, labor market, like it is right now. And you got to just step up and do it and figure out how to be five people at one time. (laughs) But when, but like you say, it was worth it because it doesn't last forever, those tough times. And, you know, so it sounds like it, grit and resilience are, are some things that you've had to tap into to get through to even open during that time. So I'm going to go to that, actually talk just briefly about, you know, I, I just think you must be a rock star if you open your business during the pandemic, like with, with the uncertainty, knowing now that the world had more uncertainty than we ever knew existed. Um, I guess you just sort of spoke to some of the hurdles. Is there is there anything that you can speak to directly in addition to that, about what you, you know, what you had to overcome opening during a pandemic, like July, 2020. I think the biggest, the, the biggest thing was the initial lockdown, um, like in March, in March when it happened. Um, so I was in Florida on March break with my family and we got the call. I got calls continuously all week, but first it was about school then it was okay you can't construct it and and all of these things just happened and then it's like uh these trade shows you're booked for um these lunch and learns that you've scheduled with doctors like everything shut down in a matter of 10 days 
So I, you know, I, I felt really defeated for a couple of days. So good thing I was in Florida on vacation. Um, but when I came back, I was able to kind of regroup and I decided that as soon as we were able to construct, I still wanted to, to get my, my facility under construction because I, I didn't know what the future was going to look like, but I knew that, you know, with that stoppage, there was going to be definitely some difficulties probably getting construction done in the future, you know, increased cost of materials and things like that. So I really wanted to move ahead with the construction. Um, I also had like leads on some really great staff. I didn't know that there was going to be a second, third or fourth wave. So that, <laughs> that part was definitely different. I wouldn't change it. I absolutely wouldn't change it. There was a lot of changes though, constantly. So, you know, with our local government, sorry, with the Ontario government and then our, then our public health unit. So I really had to be a quick thinker. We had to be adaptable and we had to be willing to make changes on the fly with, you know, like 24 hours notice to our membership. So that's kind of where I came in to, to shine. That's kind of what I'm good at is like a, as firefighting from an operations perspective. So I, I kind of love that piece of it. I was sensing I, that, by the way. I just started to jump in, but I was like, <laughs> I, I kind of getting the feeling that you actually thrive. And, and that's a good thing for people to assess. Like, you know, if you're going to become a franchise partner or business owner, there are going to be times that you're going to have to adapt. Now, this was a massive one, but yeah, you know, and now you probably know that you can do anything. Well, and that's, that's kind of that all in it. core value, right? Like that's what we talk about. <laughs> Michelle Dunbar is all in right here is like the proof. Yeah. So <laughs> you look through it, you, you know, you, you're here on the other, other side of it. And actually um, I just asked Sarah in thinking about the pandemic, you know, I'm sure there were lots of challenges and that, lots of, that's an understatement. Um, <laughs> it's, it's probably been pretty crazy. And I'm curious though, what could you say to give confidence to people that would be exploring becoming a live well franchisee that like, what's, how did it strengthen you or what are some examples of, you know, surprising joys, I will say that it brought to you that you know now and have made you better. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's incredible what's happened over, you know, the last 20 months for our brand where we were preaching a message that was really hard to get mainstream traction. It was really hard to get media around it. We had amazing member stories and people who were, you know, getting off their three times a day insulin and getting off their depression medication and these amazing stories. But we were also sharing uh, a new brand concept and that takes educational marketing, which is a whole other level before just brand marketing. Mm -hmm. And so, so all of a sudden, you know, we really looked at ourselves as kind of a healthcare company, but when COVID happened, we got shut down with fitness and, you know, in Ontario, as Michelle was sharing, you know, she was able to open up under registered kinesiology and, but ultimately we, you know, were, were shut down with fitness and all of a sudden it was like, you know, how are we going to serve our members? How are we going to continue to champion their potential, find joy and be all in? We have to continue to live our core values. And I think that, you know, it was a really weak, um, uh, it was a really neat moment, sorry, where the train, you know, the train's going in franchising. It is full steam ahead. The train stopped, right? 
and we could kind of get off and we could reassemble the carts and we could go, is it on the rails? Maybe we should renovate the rails. Maybe we need a new rail there. And all of a sudden we were able to build a new train system, a new train station, put new carts on, organize them in the way, make sure the conductor, the right conductors in the right seat, all of these types of things. And in all of that, we also got a platform and a stage to share the message that we have been screaming for 10 years now, but all of a sudden it became one of the most important messages of COVID. And that was that we have to keep moving our bodies because our mental health is affected. Every Canadian's mental health was affected over COVID and our social health. We were in social isolation. We lost those connections. You know, in the beginning, yeah, everyone was doing happy hours over FaceTime. Three months later, like we don't remember the last time we talked to our friends because then we just kind of all went to like hermit life and shut down. Right. And so it really allowed us to refresh, to revive. It showed the brand commitment from our members to stick with us. Again, we had some of the highest retention in fitness concepts in Canada. It showed the resiliency of our franchisees who are so committed owning a fitness franchise, going through this Michelle opening during a pandemic, it really strengthened our brand. It brought us together in a new way. It brought us together to say, if we don't all work on this every single day together, we, we, we won't know how to get through this. So where we went from monthly franchisee meetings, we were doing daily, every morning, first thing in the morning, we were on together. How are we going to navigate today and the next day and the next day and the next day? And that went for months. And, and so it gave us the opportunity then to go, what is the best form of communication? What is the best form of frequency of meetings? What is the best way to do this? How do we simplify the business in a way that now we can walk out of COVID and go, we have better systems, we have a stronger brand, and we know we've had a meaningful message, but now our message is actually being heard. And that was the most powerful thing that happened for us during this, this pandemic. I, I have to tell you when you said like the message we were screaming, I, and I'm just, I'm getting a chill and it just, it just really hit me hard. I almost started crying. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, and so what you're saying is, is during that time, you weren't just sitting on a, a couch and watching Netflix and eating Doritos. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we worked hard and <laughs> yeah, we're really amazing. lucky in that we have our brand has developed our own software from day one. And that was a key survival tactic of ours. We had our own software developers who were working tirelessly, constantly to adapt our systems and to meet our members where they were at. And so all of those things, we worked really, really hard in those early days. The train stopped, but we were working hard, you yeah. know, very, yeah. very hard to rebuild everything. That's, that's amazing. Okay. We've got a few minutes left. I want to ask a really important question, maybe two, if we can fit them both in, um, but definitely want to ask, um, I, and I, well, I guess this has sort of been covered, but I just want to make sure, cause I think it's important, um, from, I'll start with Michelle, what opportunities emerge from a business in the health and wellness industry? I feel like it's kind of been said, but let's just really clarify what, so what opportunities emerge from opening Absolutely. a business health and wellness? I think from, from my experience and, and in my clinic, um, it's it's the community. I'm seeing people like longing to interact with each other, the smiles on their faces and, and just uh, cheerleaders for each other, like supporting each other in, the, in their health and fitness goals and and the, just the, the mental health aspect of it as well. Um, there's been a lot of isolation and, you know, a lot of 
endorphins haven't been released, right? So there's this just this desire to that is, you can see it in the group exercise where there's smiles, there's happiness, there's dancing. And, and I just, that's what I feel is, is probably the biggest opportunity is just the improvements to mental health and, and that community. Okay. So I'm going to also going to ask Michelle, why do you think it's important to see representation of female business owners in the franchise community? Women support women and with more women franchising, there's a lot more opportunity to, to network and support and encourage. Women have a different approach to, to leadership and collaboration and growth goals. And, and I think it might be just maybe not, not extremely different, but it's just, it's different. And what, you know, you see it even in, in networking groups that I'm in, there's just such a small amount of, of women and it, it would be nice to just have larger groups and, and to make it more of an even playing field. Awesome. Sarah, just first of all, on the women in franchising, mm-hmm. why do you think it's important mm-hmm. to see representation of female business owners in the franchising community? You know, I think that um, as as franchising um, has changed and, and evolved through the years, um, I think that the, the female brain is actually something that is really, really a, a positive addition to to franchising and to to systems and to organization and to all of those things that we just know that the female brain has a strong sense to kind of network and communicate and output. And, you know, I look at all of these amazing women in franchising, franchisees and franchisors who homeschooled kids and ran businesses and excelled through COVID. I think that again, we're coming out of this stronger than ever before. And I think that there is an opportunity for more and more women to get involved in franchising. And I love what Michelle said about sitting with her husband and her husband saying, I support you anything that's so powerful. And Michelle took a leap. And I, 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 I hope and I know that more women will take the leap that Michelle took and they will become franchisees and they will become franchisees of brands that resonate with their passion and that help them to live their life to the fullest, whatever that looks like. And it's a new day and a new opportunity. Um, and I think that it's wide open for females in franchising. Amen. <laughs> that was like a <laughs> mic drop moment. Um, I, think I really agree with what you're saying. I think I, I use the word leadership. I think female leadership is incredible. I think that there's, you know, there's a, a, a revelation about it, you know, that women have different skill sets, like you said, and, and why would we want to miss that opportunity? And being, being a franchisee, that's another one of the you know, DNA of a high performing franchisee is the ability to lead that, you know, people think, oh, I'm becoming a franchisee. It's, you know, the systems are there, but you're still a leader. So mm-hmm. you're a leader for your staff, you're a leader in your community. And we know that, you know, female leadership has its own um, traits and advantages. Um, just before we hop off, Sarah, did you want to add anything just, just around, <laughs> around the opportunities that emerge from, op- from opening a business in the health and wellness industry? I mean, we did talk a lot about um, the mental health aspect and the ability to affect change. But if there's anything you want to add. Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, when we look at right now, the health and fitness industry, and we look at the global data of what's going on in fitness, we know that fitness has been decimated over the last year and a half. You know, we, we can't turn a blind eye to that or not talk about that. However, in a forest fire, the new growth is the best growth. Those birch trees that rise out of the fertile soil after a forest fire um, are, are, are the strength of what happens a- after. And when we look at the global data of fitness returning, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, even in the US, even, even looking at some parts of Canada um, that are having lower COVID cases, 
fitness memberships are massively on the rise. We are seeing a huge uprising. People have never thought about their health more than they have during this, this last almost two years. And this is going to become a huge need. It's a massive business opportunity. We have more opportunities in commercial real estate than ever before in lease negotiations and in impacting the health and wellness of Canadians. And it is our job to be in communities as fast as possible to be there and help our communities recover from COVID. And so I think that this is actually the best moment there ever has been in time to be in this industry, get in after the forest fire and help us build a beautiful, amazing forest that feeds the health and wellness of Canadians. Oh, another mic drop. <laughs> We're all smiling. That's amazing, Sarah. <laughs> Well, I think there have been a, a gazillion key takeaways today of, of things to think about when you're deciding to become a franchisee, how to decide on what brand to align with regarding, you know, the leadership team and the people at the at the helm that are running things and how they partner with you, um, really tapping into purpose and passion. So I, I hope that oh, I'm sure that our, our listeners got lots of good takeaways. And I just want to say a big thank you to both of you for being here and sharing your energy, sharing your passion and your insights. I know that you're making an impact and to thank you for the amazing work that you're both and your whole team, everybody is doing. Thanks, Angela. Thanks for having us on today. Thanks, CFA. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. For more franchising resources, including how-to articles, expert advice, franchisee success stories, and franchise opportunities, visit FranchiseCanada.online. Don't forget to subscribe to Franchise Canada e-news while you're there. You can also learn more about franchising at cfa.ca and connect with specific franchise opportunities at lookforafranchise.ca. Now go be awesome.